Reconstructionist Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. Mighty Lord, extend your kingdom, be the truth with Good afternoon. Welcome to the War Room. Bill Evans here in Lakeview, Washington with Gavin Syme, a well-known figure on social media. Welcome to the War Room, Gavin. Hey, good to meet you. We wanted to meet before, and, and initially I didn't really know. I was thinking of you today I was and thinking about what verse in Scripture personifies your life slash ministry. And I thought, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's good. But of power and love and sanity or sound mind. Right. And, and we I, sure have a spirit of fear in this country. Yeah. So <laughs> we, I wanted to talk to you for a long time about a lot of things because right. you have spoken to a lot of issues, a lot of issues that, frankly, the pulpits in America have been silent concerning. And this is issues of justice and righteousness, the Bundys. Sure. and others that have been uh, deprived of any semblance of justice right. in that debacle there in Oregon and, and, and now Nevada. Some of their stories of what those men have gone through is, is like out of communist China. Uh, well, it really is. I mean, we're always running around saying, look, America's free. Look, at, we got a new Republican Congress or a new Republican president. Look how good things are getting. And I'm just looking around like, what are you talking about? This is, this is concentration camp, Nazi Germany, North Korea, China, you know, indoctrination center. <laughs> <laughs> I would certainly describe you as uh, as an anti-statist. Uh, on my on my truck, I have one sticker. It says, "The government is not God." Exactly. <laughs> and and uh, uh, I would say that you're anti-statist. In other words, you don't want to uh, bow down. You have a proper biblical understanding of of the role of government. It should be uh, its its power should be few and enumerated. Many Christians in America have swallowed a very and wrong-headed view of government. But it's sad that Christians, people who, who claim to be submitted to the king of kings, right. would uh, then bow down to, a, to tyranny and they say, well, we must obey. The problem is, I mean, I was, it's funny because I was just in town and, and I'm fairly well known around town. Our whole family is because we've worked in, in the community for a long time and my family does... Uh, remodel and home improvement and stuff and then I do the photography of course and my activism so this guy walks in that's known us for a long time and he says are you still fighting the law and I, I, I just stood there silently and I looked at him and I kind of mulled it through in my mind and I said I said no I represent the law the police are fighting me <laughs> and, and the problem is we've gotten to this idolatrous state especially in the church where people are just swallowing the easy pill and the easy pill is sweet, but it's also poison, and it will kill you, and it has killed the church. And so we have a church that's looking and saying, well, why is, why is sin rampant, right? Why are our kids leaving the church? Why is homosexuality rampant? And I'm thinking, I'm looking at the church, and I'm saying, because you made them that way. You know, to me, like, the collapse of our, of our society from a moral perspective is a direct judgment of the church. used to stop sending their kids to government indoctrination schools. Amen. They refused 
to, to, to speak the truth in love because it would make people angry. Instead, they sold the John 3.16, you know, here's your punch card, I think, as you said it, your punch card to heaven, and join our club. They've sold themselves out to the government with their 501c3. So what they did is they actually, the church subordinated itself instead of saying we're subordinate to Christ alone and we'll mm. work within the society is falling apart is because of you, because of your blue line, because of your government, because of your submission yeah, to evil yeah, yeah. and your Romans 13 doctrine yeah. that you've twisted around to say obey Satan instead of obey God. Yeah, you know, hell hates a vacuum. And when, <laughs> yeah. the, and when the church leaves a vacuum, hell is willing to fill it. Right, that's exactly right. I, I oftentimes say that the greatest threat to national security besides the wrath of God is certainly not coming from across the border. No, it's not. It's right here. It's right. And, and the thing is, our national security is lost. Let, let me ask a question of people out there. When you're driving down the road and there's a police officer behind you, do you feel secure? Do you feel safe? Do you feel like he's there to protect you? Or do you feel like he's there to punish, enslave, extort, harass, collect, uh, inspect, search, we have this issue, and there's a complete denial, and this is something I've been taking on a lot lately, and it's why I'm always catching flack, because as soon as I talk about, I've learned over the years that you, you take on, a warrior for justice takes on what's radical, and so it doesn't matter if it's Jesus or, or Paul or, or Martin Luther King or whatever, if, if you're fighting for justice, you take on uh, what people don't want you to take on because it needs to be addressed. And so there's always something, no matter how good your society is, there's going to be something wrong. And so you take on what people don't want to hear. And so, you know, this past year, I've really taken on the blue line and, and just gotten to the point. And at first it was like radical. And, and you know, speaking against the police was something for, for libtard, leftist, Black Lives Matter, whatever whatever words were spinning against the, the, the opposition that we think we've, we have. And... And I just finally started saying, you know what? These guys are the enemy. The enforcers of tyranny. And people are saying, oh, look, politicians are taking your guns. Last time I checked, a politician hasn't taken one of your guns. It's always your, your good old boy police officer. It's always the people you're calling heroes. It's always the people that you're saying they're mostly good. So if they're mostly good, how are your guns being taken? What, doesn't, and it doesn't matter which administration, the Obama administration, the Trump administration, the Clinton administration, the guns are being taken, the people are being put in prison for their guns, the people are being put in prison for their speech, and, and look, at, look at what's happening even this week with the Bundy trials. I mean, absolute insanity. Eric Parker's trying to testify in his own case, which is a fundamental right, and the judge says, you're not allowed to testify anymore because she doesn't want the jury to hear what he has to say. Witnesses are being brought into the fence. Most of the witnesses are being denied, as if the judge, like as if the judge has any right to say you can't have a witness. That idea is ludicrous. But the truth is, it's been happening in our courts, well, the Constitution. But even worse, we quit teaching that the Constitution didn't give you any rights in the first place. Exactly. It just affirmed those rights. And now the Constitution is, you know, I just did a live video last night, and I literally just tore up the Constitution to show people. I mean, we do not have a Constitution in this country that is at all recognized. From what I'm seeing, I mean, unless God does some radical intervention, this this nation is going down. I mean, America is done. It's dead, and it's going down. So the question is, what what will come out of the ashes of that? And, and if we humble ourselves to God, what will, what kind of refuge? If you have your property, which is your house, the wood to keep you warm, the apples to feed yourself and your kids and, and the deer, etc. Right. So you have your life and you have your property. To to get the property, you must have your liberty. And now we're back to this. 
Uh, yes, a constitutional and declaration of independence foundation, but frankly, far beyond. Well, in fact, it wasn't originally, it wasn't life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It was life, no, liberty, was and life, the pursuit liberty, of property. And property. And so, which frankly, I think is a better way to word it than the pursuit of happiness. But you have your life, your liberty, and your property. And so here we've made this standard of without, without a single Bible verse, even though we can certainly affirm all this in the Bible, and that's where I go back to affirm things, I can say to the atheist, listen, you agree that you have your life. To sustain your life, you must have your property. And to get your property, you must have your liberty. So can we agree that you have your life, liberty, and your property? And he says, well, yeah. I've never had one disagree with me on this. And I say, all right, then let's go. And when we're in the trenches and they're shooting at us, and we'll talk about Jesus. But until then, let's quit fighting with each other, right? I may staunchly disagree with the atheist, and I'm certainly going to tell the homosexual that they're a sinner. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, they're not my enemy. Well, there my is, enemy is those who are violating there my is, There is that age-old statement saying, and no one is able to pinpoint where it began, but it says, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Exactly. And the fact is, if you look, it, it, it boggles my mind because I look at society... And I look at the church. Proverbs says that those who justify the wicked and condemn the just are, are an abomination to God. And so here's one for the scripture studiers. If you justify the wicked and condemn the just, you're an abomination to God. Homosexuality is also abomination to God. Well, the church, every church I go to in America, I shouldn't say every, there's a few exceptions, but pretty much all your 501c3s at the very least, your John 316 free ticket to heaven churches, they're all justifying the police. They're justifying the government. They're saying comply, obey, pay, do what you're doing. Oh, told. we would say they're purely st they're statists. They're statists. So they're justifying the wicked. The fact is 95% of these churches that claim to be conservative, constitutional, patriot, go America, whatever they call themselves, they're in the same boat as the homosexual. They're every bit. In, in, in fact, maybe their sin is worse because they're openly professing God's word while trampling on his Well, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir because we would say that uh, instead of protecting the victim of, of violent crime, when the police respond to the Planned Parenthood calls to right. come and detain or arrest or to cite those who are there to uh, interpose on behalf of the victim, uh, they're basically citing them for trespassing our noise ordinance violations. So we, uh, yeah. and we have a whole, I mean, we have hours and hours and hours of lectures and books on our, on our uh, website, uh, reconstructionsradio.com, that deal with these issues. And that is what, that is what theonomy is about. And it's anti-statism to the core. Right. And uh, so we've been accused of saying, well, you're for open borders. I said, look, you know, Open borders does not mean uncontrolled borders. It doesn't right, mean that exactly. you. It doesn't mean you let in people with clear criminal intent or who have bubonic plague. You, you, right. you still have the ability to quarantine and to, to, to vet people. But if they are not here for criminal intent, then they should be able to travel free and unmolested on their way. Well, and I think this is a really important topic because for the past year and, and beyond, really. But first, you know, when I started in activism, I just started taking on the corruption and studying the Constitution, and then that led to teaching the Constitution and speaking and doing activism on the street and raising awareness. And then I, then I, I realized, after essentially searching America for a good cop and realizing there were none, uh, I realized, wait a minute, the Blue Line is a crime syndicate. It, and, and I want people to stop for a minute and think about the change of the term Blue Line. A decade ago, the Blue Line was not a good thing to be called. 
the blue line was the symbol for corrupt people protecting each other. The blue line was what you called it kind of jokingly, like, oh yeah, the cops don't cross the blue line. It meant they don't hold each other accountable. In the past, really about three years, they flipped that on us. And I think it's been a concerted effort from a federal level. I think millions of dollars, billions perhaps, have been spent on this. The blue line, which represents all the enforcement of tyranny 100%, without them, there is no... They are the standing army. They are the standing army. They are, and the the fact is, I mean, we talk about politicians and judges and tyrants, and they are, and they should be held accountable because they're, of course, wielding authority to abuse others. But the fact is, for every kangaroo court, which is everyone now, everyone violates the, the principles of due process, the Sixth Amendment, the, the, the right to defense, the right to testimony, the right to everything in one way or another. So there are no legal trials happening in United States courts at this point, and we can prove that constitutionally. But furthermore, you have all this stuff, like the Nevada court, Judge Navarro in the Bundy trials. And I think it's really important for people to realize this is not like a persecution. You know, when it, when it was Obama in office, they're like, oh, Obama's persecuting patriots, right? Now that Trump's in office, everybody wants to conveniently ignore the fact that his administration is the one bringing the prosecution against the Bundys and the patriots. So now they say, oh, it's Judge Navarro doing it. Well, it's both of them doing it, and I hold them all accountable. I'm not going to excuse Obama, or I'm not going to excuse Trump. And, and Judge Navarro absolutely is engaged in treason, but so is all the federal prosecutors, so is Jeff Sessions when he comes there to support them, so is, is Trump when he allows Jeff Sessions. And so, and I catch a lot of flack for this, but I'm not willing to say, well, because somebody that we liked better got in office, I'm going to make excuses for him. That, that's absurd. That's ungodly. It's, un, it's unconstitutional. It's unprincipled. And it's wrong. So you take what's going on and you really ask the question. Every piece of tyranny. Judge Navarro is a psychotic. If it weren't for people holding guns to your head, people would jump up in that courtroom and they would say, who do you think you are? We're done. This trial is over. You have nothing. This is not a trial and we're leaving. The only reason those and they guys leave, And they'd leave with those guys. And they'd leave with those guys and there would be no violence because there would be nobody to perpetrate violence because just like at the Bundy Ranch, we weren't there for violence. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't be out seeking violence or vengeance. I think that's a biblical standard as well. I think we have a right to defend ourselves. Uh, in law, but I think in morality and as Christians, we have the obligation to always avoid violence whenever possible. Well, we would even say, I, I, I was thinking the whole time you were saying this, we talk about the Constitution. What the Constitution, there's an important book that was written by a guy named Gary North, who's a great, great mind, and it's called Conspiracy in Philadelphia. And if you think about it, the Declaration of Independence uh, established in the preamble that our rights come from right. God, from a creator. Right. Whereas the Constitution doesn't contain that language. It went, it made, there was a shift from a, a theocentric basis of rights to a rational, um, uh, humanistic. Now, now the people are the basis. And so when the people are the basis of their own authority, well, then anything goes. Uh, when God is not the basis of your authority. So I think there was a seed change. I think there was a major shift, a, a coup d'etat, if you will, when they went from the Declaration and the Articles of Confederation, where it, at that time the constitutions of every one of the colonies except Rhode Island basically acknowledged God as the supreme lawgiver right. and to a constitution which really didn't do that. I think what was happening, and I don't necessarily think it was a conspiracy. I think you had imperfect men, and I think what was happening is traditionally, in the name of religion, a lot of tyranny occurs. Oh, and they, and just they wanted that. to avoid that. And they were trying to say, okay... But does it ever make you nervous, Gav, when you consider the fact that the Ten Amendments were afterthoughts? Um, well, 
Yes and no, because the Ten Amendments, the reason they weren't in there originally is because they didn't want to name the amendments. They said if we name these, and there was a really, I think that's a really interesting piece of history that's not addressed enough, and I'm sure you know this, but the reason that the, ten, the Bill of Rights was not in there is because the rights were assumed. And they said, well, if we let the government name the rights, uh, that's going to make that's going to infer that the government has a right to control the rights. The Constitution was meant to just be an organizing document for the, the union. Well, as it, and was, it wasn't so, meant to be a religious uh, compact. Of well, and what's, what's interesting too, and, and I'm certainly no, I, I'll be real frank. I said I never signed the Constitution. Right. No, no one ever asked me to ratify it. I said they assume that because I was born within a geographic proximity, I'm somehow under it, and they issue me a VIN number for a human being called a birth certificate or social security number and I said they and then they presume to be able to tax my the sweat of my brow which means that they believe in that chattel pro, uh, slavery is not ended uh, th- th- but uh, wh- wherever I was going with this I, I would say that that uh, the we don't have I, I think if we're going to control the narrative we got to control the vo- vocabulary and I don't use the term Federal government, because federal means covenanted government, means a, a, it implies an arrangement whereby states and a central government work in cooperation. And there's no more cooperation now. It's their way or the highway. And so now I call right. them what a central is, government, is a, a national government, yeah. uh, a plutocracy, or right. something like that. So you're you're there now. Essentially, we have an oligarchy because you have a few a few power people in the Supreme Court that backs. Gavin, yeah, you mentioned early on, and I presume. Uh, I, I, without even asking, I know you must be a homeschooling family. Oh yeah, and I presume that you came from a homeschooling family. Yes, uh, because your the depth of your conviction speaks of early childhood <laughs> education <laughs> that you were trained up in the in these ways, and so it's 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 bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. Well, uh, yeah, and I think it's one of the biggest sins in the church. I think it has been for a long time. I think the reason we're here is because the church refused to take their kids out of Satan's education system. Right. And even right. even even the non-Christians are realizing, wow, we don't want our kids going to these schools. And it's like when they're ahead of of the church, you got a problem. And and we're to this place. Frankly, I mean, I don't want to say it's too late because it's never too late for 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 God to intervene. Uh, and and he uh, he. Uh, but you remember the sins of uh, of Israel when he told jo- Josiah and Jehoshaphat and a few of the good kings says, you know, even if Daniel and Noah were praying, even if Samuel and Noah were praying, I would still only save you. Yeah, it's going to be accountability. There's a point where the land is defiled with blood, and even if abortion ended today, and even if all the wrongs were righted, uh, there's still accountability for past sin. And I just, right. you know, and I, although I I don't quote. Je- Je- uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson much as a theologian I think he was right in one thing he said he said I fear for my nation when I consider that God is just yeah and at this point I mean and he had no idea what he was saying compared to now I mean comparatively it's it's astounding and back to your point of the Constitution I think that's really important I value the Constitution but the fact is the Constitution you know yes we have this principle of, of a social compact. But a social compact, you don't get to social compact away someone else's rights. You can make a social contract to say, you know, we're going to organize, we're all going to contribute, we're going to defend ourselves this way. That doesn't mean you don't get to make a social contract that says, we're going to steal Joe's stuff, right? That's not a social contract, that's, that's democracy. Yeah, and, two and, wolves and a lamb discussing what's going to happen. Right, and so we have this common thing of like, well, if it's in the Constitution, you have to do it. And it's like, no, the Constitution, when the Constitution 
violates or crosses the line of people's rights, it becomes Well, think lost. about this, Gavin. Every political, every magistrate, or, until they started using the Quran in the case of Keith Ellison and some other people, when they, when, they, when they take their oath on the word of God, it used to be Deuteronomy 28, which had positive and negative sanctions of the law. Right. But the very fact that politicians, if you will, take their oath of office on the law of God, doesn't that sort of at least presuppose symbolically that the law of God is the basis of their yeah, authority? I think so. But, but even the fact is... We keep supporting evil people. We keep electing evil people. And, and you look around, I don't care what state you look at, where are all these so-called liberty legislators that we were hearing from two years ago that were at the Bunny Ranch? Where's our, where's the, you know, people are always like rooting like, oh, Trey Gowdy or Justin Amash. These guys are literally silent as treason is happening and, and the largest, and frankly, I, I did a video on this last night. I mean, you have a media blackout in essence from everybody from NBC to in, oh. from MSN to well, InfoWars. There, there, there is one light on the horizon. I'm going to give you another book. It's on the Black Road Regiment and the, and the, uh, and the, uh, uh, the political uh, sermons of the pre-revolution. Which you, you have that book? I've, I'm familiar with it. I don't think I've actually read it. I'm, I'm going to give you a copy of it. I think you'll really dig it because this is the Black Road Regiment. Right. Well, there is a guy who's going to be running for governor. We want to give a shout out to Dan Fisher in Oklahoma right. who is running as a, he, uh, as a abolitionist uh, uh, governor, he wants to. He doesn't want to regulate child sacrifice. He wants to end it. He wants to defy the federal courts. He says from, from in his stump speeches, we need to defy Roe. Uh, the courts do not make laws. Uh, Washington does not tell Oklahoma what they can and cannot do. Right. And uh, he's running on that basis. And so you can bet that even though he's a pastor. And he has been speaking, he's been giving, like you have your speaking, sir, he's been doing one for a number of years on the Black Robe Regiment. Right. Um, uh, he'll be running, and so we're going to give a shout out to him and the guys working on his on his uh, uh, gubernatorial run. Gav, how did you get into the actual confronting? Because I've seen some of your videos uh, where you have confronted lawless enforcement officers, and... and it, they're, they're chilling because I'm. 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 I, sometimes I'm fearful for you. Although that's not me too. <laughs> I mean, uh, have you ever come? Have you been threatened? Well, I mean, it, really, every time you deal with a police officer, you're threatened. It could go they, bad. They could, I mean, the fact is, yeah, the fact that they know you is, is the fact that you're a, a notable person around here. Is that? Is that? I think that helps around here because around here they know me by name, and so they will literally run from me at times around here. Which, quite frankly, is I would rather the police are running from me than towards me, because that's that's more of a safety thing. I mean, it's if you look around, the fact is, if you want if you want your neighbor to die, call the police to help them, because they will. Pray. You know, if you have a suicidal neighbor, call the police and say my neighbor's suicidal, and they'll come they'll come and finish the job. That's where we're at in America with a police force that kills a thousand plus a year. And there was just a study that was done, and this is a. I think, it, I think it's probably more than this, but in 2012, the police hospitalized. Uh, so they kill about 1,000 to 1,200 a year. In 2012 alone, they hospitalized 55,000 people. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, this is, not, this is not protection. This is a mob. And in those few cases where there is a semblance of justice meted out and there is some financial compensation, guess who pays the tab? It's the taxpayers, the taxpayer. property owners... And these guys get a paid vacation at worst. 
Exactly, and then they just shuffle them. They, they fire them out one door and shuffle them in the back door. I mean, it's a system. They want the abusers in there. They want people that are compliant. They want to own these cops, most of these cops. They own them, you know, and, it's, and you see this firsthand. If a cop crosses the line and says, you know what, I'm not okay with this anymore, they're done. They're arrested, they're oh, yeah, charged, yeah, yeah. they're killed, they're yeah. fired. Well, Chet Gallagher in, from uh, Las Vegas, when he interposed and joined the uh, people in uh, Operation Rescue at the abortion mill, he was... They're, you're out of His, his law enforcement career law. came to an end. Yeah, if you try to actually defend the law as a, as a policeman... You're out of there. If you want to be a lawkeeper, you Frank have to Serpico. Do like we are. Frank Serpico street. was the. I remember when I was a young man. You know, he was the big guy. You know, uh, right. um, he was shot in the face because he was considered a rat. Uh, because all the other cops around him were dirty. Because he crossed the blue line. He crossed the blue, the blue line. And you look, and people say, well, what about good sheriffs like so and so and so and so? And they name a few. And, and I just, I'm like, guys, got to start doing your research because everyone they name, they're like, well, what about this sheriff? Or what about Sheriff Clark? And I'm like, uh, you mean the people that he's letting be murdered in his prisons? Mm-hmm. Or do you mean the people that he's letting be railroaded in courtrooms as he lets judges commit treason? Or maybe you mean the people he's arresting for victimless crimes? Now you've been, uh, Gavin, you've been, a, you've been close to the seat of a lot of these uh, uh, stories, whether it was the North Dakota pipeline or whether it was uh, the the uh, refuge in Oregon or the Bundy Ranch, you have I wouldn't say you've injected there. You've been like the people's reporter, so to speak. Uh, you've done that on your own dime, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, people give it some donations, but it's funny because people think I'm getting you know. I mean, you, you're you're sitting here in my studio, and so I have a day job and I work, and and uh, you know we get we get a little bit from YouTube revenue and from people donate donating and things like that. And people are like, oh look, Gavin's getting fat off the backs of political prisoners. I'm like, you guys have no idea. But I don't I don't even try to defend myself against such people because there's I mean there's literally I I show up somewhere and the people that hate me start spreading rumors. There's a rumor going around in Nevada that I was chased by bikers into a Starbucks where I called the police and begged for them to help me. And what happens is they put these rumors out there. I mean, I haven't been into a Starbucks in five years, although I do love my coffee, just not burnt coffee made by by Stavis. But um, it's uh, it's interesting what happens because they say somebody these people plant these rumors, and pretty soon people are repeating these as if they're fact. And this is a problem that I think applies to all of us. I see it very heavily in patriot Christian circles is they'll say, oh, look at what this libtard did, or look at what that group did. They're terrorists, right? And I'm like, the terrorists are the puppet masters up above you pulling the strings, and they're keeping You know what's, uh, you, t- you speak to this, again. One of the things that's, that's caused me some grief, and, and really sadness, is, uh, we, I mean, I, we have to think, obviously, uh, social media, Facebook in particular, is the way a lot, many of us get, I don't watch any television, uh, I get most of my news from friends who keep me apprised in my news feeds. And it, admittedly, if it wasn't for Pinac Report or Free Thought Project sure. uh, or things that you post, we wouldn't know a lot of the things that are going on. They would escape us. You know, Americans have a very short attention span. There'll be five more stories tomorrow to take its place. Um, and yet, it's really sad is that when you try to engage that crowd, that Free Thought Project crowd or the Pinnack Report crowd, they are so vociferously anti-Christian. They, There's a lot of that in the, in the kind of, I, I call that, I guess I would call that the left libertarian movement. You kind of have the right libertarian, the left libertarian. And I hate even to use the word because it's become a party. And party isn't going to fix this. The libertarian yeah. party is, quite frankly, a joke. But 
uh, that doesn't mean that libertarian principles are a joke or, you know, I've been catching, I, I've been touching on all these things. I always say the way you make conversations is you touch on things that are not according to the line of your faction. So as someone who's identified maybe as a patriot or a libertarian, I say, wait a minute, the border thing is a sham, you guys. They're using that to control you. There's no such thing. It's impossible to be an illegal immigrant. There's no such thing as being an illegal human being. God created us all equally. If you do an illegal act, now you can be given due process. But it has nothing to do with whether you crossed this line. I was just talking to my brother Nathan about this, and he's like, you know, borders are legitimate in terms of defining a boundary so that you can protect uh, in, from invading armies and national sovereignty. Sovereignty, but a border saying saying to use a border to restrict an individual from you know to restrict Daniel Boone from walking across the road is is like being a child drawing a line in the sand and saying I dare you to cross the line. Well, the, the very the, the the very proliferation of permits and licenses, uh, permission For everything. There's nothing that's you, legal. In this it, exactly. There's, There's nothing, nothing you, you cannot do without, without government position. And without if you don't permission. get permission from government for anything, you you will likely be fined. And if you do not pay that fine, the ultimate punishment is death if you defend your rights. That's that's where we're at. So the, the, really there's nothing, there's almost nothing you can think of that's legal in this country. And this is why I want to caution. I want to offend some people right now and really make you think. You probably won't offend my crowd. But. That's good. <laughs> I see a lot of hypocrisy in, in the Liberty Christians um, in particular because there's this idea of of, look, they're trying to violate our rights. We need to make more laws against libtards to protect our rights. The problem is not left or right in the, in the organic sense. The problem is, is everyone, and it's the people controlling the narrative. So, for example, people will say, uh, look, they're shoving homosexuality down our throats. They're forcing preachers to marry homosexual And I say, wait a minute. Nobody can force you to violate God's law. You have to stand up and resist. And, and so, on the, but they turn around and they say, what we need to do is ban homosexuality again. And I'm thinking, well, that worked so well. First of all, you got to remember where the sin came from. It came because the church failed and they did not stand up, just like abortion. Abortion exists by permission of the American 501c3 church. That's the only That's exactly what I posted a, a meme yesterday on yeah, that. And the same thing with with homosexuality or anything like that. So you don't... Now, abortion is legitimate to make outlaw because you're taking a life. I mean, abortion is murder. Homosexuality is a sexual sin, and under we're not under God's kingdom on earth where there was this immediate judgment like under the Mosaic Law. We're under Christ. It's not the job of a civil government to be God anymore. The government is not God. In, in ancient Israel, God was actually the government. I mean, he was the governing authority He was the head of society. the state. And, and we don't have a right to create a government and say this government is God. Now, if we, I would say what most of my audience would agree with, we'd say, look, if you, are, you cannot have a society without law, and you will not have a godly society without God's law. That God's law needs to be the basis for the justice, but everything that is a sin is not a crime. Well, and I, I would separate, this is what I usually do if we get into the theology of it too, is you have, if you go back to Israel, God was both the church and the civil government. I mean, the church and the state were one. And when God... It was a, the, it was yeah. a theocracy. And when they were following God, that worked, and then corruption entered in, and, and they got judged, right? So fast forward to today, 
and the founding fathers were right on the concept of separation of church and state, which isn't in the Constitution or the Declaration, but the principle of it is not that just no, people in the government are not religious, it's that the government doesn't control Well, religion. there's a difference between the separation of God and state and the separation of church and right. state. You're not supposed See, to we believe we believe in sovereign spheres, self-government, family government, ecclesiastical government, civil government. Right. God is sovereign over all of those spheres. So there is no separation of God and civil government any more than there would be a separation between God and family government, you know? Right, so if you have, okay, murder is a civil crime because there's a victim. It violates life, liberty, and property, which is the essence and of how do you law. know? And how did you know it in, in Scripture? How did you know the difference between a sin and a crime? Because the crime had a penalty attached to it. It had a... There was a restitution right. or, 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 or death penalty or something. Well, and there were crimes, and some of them are quite harsh, that were moral crimes. But again, mm. we're not under, the government isn't God anymore. So now you say you have to separate as the church. Well, we, we, have haven't, talk, we haven't talked about the, the phony, fake, foolish war on plants. Oh, the war on plants, the war on... <laughs> and, and, but let's take one that's obvious, right? It, Homosexuality is a negative to society. It's destructive to individuals. Um, you know, transgenderism. It's 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 a mental, totally out of whack. Satan is running the world, right? And and that's what's new. But the fact is, homosexuality is a violation of God's law, and you will account for it. But it's not the job of a civil government to fix it. A job of a civil government only extends into protecting life, liberty, and property. And the reason for that is if. They cross that line. You always will cross over. Well, I would say the difference is between whether or not there is there's a difference between uh, private behavior and right. pu and public perversion. Yeah, as soon as you hurt someone else. Well, I would say that we would say that. Listen, if two perverts want to do unspeakable things in private, I'm, I don't have the authority or the interest in interposing in that. But if uh, uh, naked men want to parade down the middle of Main Street and my grandchildren are in the crowd. Of course, my grandchildren wouldn't be in that crowd. But but uh, that's that's public perversion at that point, and there is an there is an interest. But let me let me take a, let, let me argue a little bit of a radical approach on this. What law are you going to make that will end lewdness? See, to me, it's every bit as revolting when I see a preacher up there support saying support the blue. Well, I would say well, I would, I would when say, I see a man parading down the street naked. And so the question is, and I'm not in any way justifying the idea of people going out and being perverts, but what, what has allowed the idea of it being socially acceptable in society or moral for a man to go hang his junk out and parade down the street? Well, what's pervade that is the church saying the government is God instead well, you know, of God is God. You know, you know what's really ironic, Gavin, as we're talking about this, is the fact that these, this group of people that we're discussing right now really comprise less than probably 2% of the population. And yet these, this minority, a minority's minority, is controlling the agenda and the direction of an entire country. If, if those people who identify as Christians would begin to stand up for the law of God and the crown rights of, of, of King Jesus and said... Uh, and just did their job if they were just the church, if they were salt and light. And for, we talked about yesterday. We were posting some some tragedies, some just uh, uh, unspeakable, heartbreaking tragedies having to do with CPS and kidnapping, man stealing right. of children, and the sorts of, uh, of 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 woes that befall these children who fall into the hands of of, of predators. 
first of all, government has no business being in the child business. And they certainly don't have any in business to being in the family regulating. If there's or, evidence of a crime, a civil government can intervene. That's exactly, and that's it. So why isn't the, so what we're big proponents of at Reconstructionist Radio is of the church acting like a civil order, a social order where, uh, you know, we have private charity and private adoption and right. orphans and widows. The church's job in, in the current state of things... A civil government's job is only to protect life, liberty, and property. The church's job is to stand for moral principles, not at the point of a gun, but by example and by their voice. It's, to, their est- it's to establish justice right. and, more, and, and, and righteousness. So the sheriff has a right to use a gun to stop violence against another, but that's where his authority is. So what's happened is the church has advocated their authority to government. And this is the problem we mm-hmm. see, and I keep coming back to this, because I, I see the Christendom of side of liberty always hung up on the moral argument, which of course is relevant for Christians. But the fact is the church is immoral. So they're pointing the finger at the homosexualities, homosexuality, and I'm pointing it right back at the church. Homosexuality is not the problem with America. Oh, no. The church is the problem with America. And homosexuality is acceptable in society because you keep sending your kids to schools where they're taught that. You keep uh, promoting agendas of submitting to a government that promotes evil. And so, yes, you look at the homosexual agenda and you say, look at this minority that has accomplished so much. And I'm saying maybe you should learn something from how Satan works. Oh, we, just had, we just had a poll on, on our website, uh, on our Facebook group, you know, asking what would have been the greatest uh, setbacks or the greatest troublers of the church. And I, number one, statism. Yeah. Uh, that it is, it, you know, and so... Uh, Homosexuality is a result of submission. Yeah, there's a difference between the fruit, like abortion. We even say that, that uh, abolitionists are, are want to say that we're not at war with abortion. We're at war with a worldview that makes it even thinkable. Right. The fact that it's even a consideration in society is the, is the real problem. Yeah. The fact that as a church you would say, well, we are against abortion. I mean, there might be a few times where, that, no, there's never a time to butcher someone. And, there's and, never a time and, and the fact is, is your moral opinion is worth... A bucket of spit. Uh, in other words, the question right. is, is not what do you believe, what are you willing to do about what you believe? And one of the reasons why I wanted to meet you, Gavin, and have you on is because I think I would not, I would not call you up if I had a theological or exegetical question necessarily. But if I, but if I wanted a guy that I had to go to war with uh, for justice. You'd be on my short list. <laughs> I appreciate it, but I hope to avoid war. Well, what I'm saying is, I, what I'm saying, I'm thinking, I'm saying metaphorically. We need a war of the heart. Uh, yeah, uh, 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 metaphorically, of uh, of, yeah. of being opposed. We're told to overcome evil with good, and we're not. And this is the problem. And I'm and, and I'm going to say, I'll, I'll, I'm going to say right now what we need to do. Um, I mean, there's lots of things we need to do, but here, here's where we're at right now, and this is the struggle I'm seeing in Nevada. It's the struggle I'm seeing in the courts. It's the struggle I'm seeing in the in the in the uh, in politics, you, the police in America are the redcoats. There's absolutely no difference. In fact, they're far worse than the redcoats were. The redcoats never got away with the kind of treatment of people that are by our police. And let's be very clear: and, our founding fathers went to and war. And Christians will stand up and, and and applaud it. Right. Our founding fathers went to war over a handful of people. After a handful of people were killed by these redcoats, they started shooting back. And I want to be clear: I'm not saying that the solution is let's go start spilling blood because usually that doesn't work either. But 
the problem is, so I have two sides that I deal with. One side says, Gavin, you're radical, you want a revolution. The other side says, Gavin, stop talking and start a revolution. And I'm like, you do not understand the power of the voice that God has given you. And they say, oh, making videos on Facebook isn't fixing this. And I'm like, well, words do have power, but no, sometimes you need to show up. And I show up all over the country, and sometimes I'm just on Facebook making a video. But the fact is, as long as you are in any capacity supporting your oppressors, you will not win. And people say, Gavin, what about the good cops? And I say, well, it's been a year now that I've had a standing reward of $500 for anybody that can find me an oath-keeping cop. Not one application has been submitted. You don't have good cops, you have the blue line. Now, if you had a good sheriff and you got him elected and he was throwing out the feds and throwing out the abortion clinics and enforcing the law and, and, and arresting the judges and stopping the violations of due process, Believe me, I'd be right there with him, but you don't. There's not one constitutional sheriff in the country, and, and I challenge anyone, right? Don't take my word for it. Go look. Prove me wrong. Well, there's, it's interesting that with all that you've seen, and, and, and by the way, you're, you're simpatico. You're right in, you're a brother from another mother as far as uh, your, your philosophy is concerned. It's interesting that you, would, that you would bring it down to such a fine point as saying that today in this day and age, the, the, the problem that we face is, is the blue line. And I would say you're right. I said that ultimately uh, it, the, the policing, uh, the policing uh, agency is, is, That's the, where the civil risk is, is the force of, the, of tyranny. And I want to be clear. It doesn't advocate, okay, the moral side of that is we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the standard of God. Well, and and this is not something that exists in America either. I've never seen – you look around the world. America is arrogant. They're hateful. They hate their neighbors. They're prideful. Mm -hmm. They think they're better. This idea of, oh, we're so much better. Mexicans all want to be us. I'm like, you guys are delusional. Try going down to Mexico. They scoff at how much tyranny we have here because most of the time, while their government is certainly corrupt as well – they actually know it. They're actually willing to stand up for it, and they're not pretending oh, I, listen, that it's okay. If you're if you're paying if you're unless you're asleep, you're paying attention. You're getting into this free thought project. You're getting these reports of of people who travel around the world. I saw some international Chinese businesswoman who was beaten up by TSA or Border Patrol agents, yeah. and she, she's traveled all over the world. She's just the worst. The, and, 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 this and is the, third world, the, third Reich, the, yeah, yeah, Nazi Germany. Yeah, the very idea. China yeah, the very idea. That somebody like my, myself, who was a veteran, I probably could not get on a plane because I couldn't make it to a TSA checkpoint without strangling it's, somebody. It's it's really hard, and I and and people like me avoid flying. I mean, there's a reason I drive all over the country. I mean, yeah, I like seeing the sights. I'm a photographer by trade, and so I I enjoy getting out with my family. But but I, in the past decade, I think I've done one flight just because it was a necessity for what I needed to do. And interestingly enough. Uh, I showed up at the airport in Seattle, which was a year or two ago, and apparently they knew who I was because there was <laughs> it's a funny story. You got a pass? No, well, I didn't have any special pass. I just did the thing and I and, and of course, like always, and this is a this is a tip for people, anytime I'm approaching a public official, even if I don't expect anything wrong, I will at the very least start my camera and put the phone in my pocket. So now it's recording and if anything happens, all I have to do is pull that phone out. And so the camera well, are was, most of your confrontations just done with an iPhone or you are a GoPro? Uh, no, most of them are just done with the phone. The camera you have with you is, is the best one. Now, if I'm, if I'm doing a video or I'm setting up or doing something like we're doing here, then I'll set up better equipment because, of course, use the best equipment you can. But in practice, what I always have with me and what we all always have with us is our phones. So get a phone that's reliable, that has a good camera, and, and that you can film with. But I, I walk into the airport, and I'm looking. Here's this huge line for TSA. 
and there's this there's this line, and I'm walking along, kind of looking confusedly at my past, trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go. And this TSA official in a white uniform, uh, who looks different than all the rest, says, "You're here." And I'm like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, what do you mean? I'm looking for you." He's like, "No, you're here." And so he, I walk into this line, and he like swaps my hands. So he's like, "This is a check for explosives." I walk up to the metal detector, and there's like five people running this line, and no one in this line. I walk up to the metal detector, and they have me walk through. They don't make me take my belt off. They don't make me, I don't even know if they make me take my shoes off. I threw my stuff in, and they said, you're free to go out of here. <laughs> and so I had this whole exclusive line to myself at the airport, which was very surreal. Not that that makes it okay, right? Because the TSA is an unconstitutional, unlawful, tyrannical agency that doesn't belong. And I, I do want to point something out, because this has been coming up recently. And I want people to study it because even some of our constitutional experts and teachers are mistaken on this. Uh, the Constitution gives zero authority to the, the federal government over immigration. There's no authority in the Constitution for a border patrol. There's no authority for checkpoints, obviously. There's no authority even for an immigration station, though. There was, and I've, I, I was actually rather shocked because for years I've taken the somewhat middle-of-the-road view of, I know something's wrong with immigration. I know it shouldn't cost $20,000 in 10 years to get here. And I know people shouldn't be arrested when there's no crime being committed. But we need to protect our borders. And that's kind of the general theory of a lot of people. Then I, and then I started realizing, wait a minute. The Border Patrol doesn't protect the borders. They propagate the system of tyranny. They help the, the power people do what they want. And frankly, they're probably the ones, people in the Border Patrol are probably the ones doing the drug trafficking most of the time. But... To come and, back the to the and the coyotes, the trade in human flesh. It's a sham of human trafficking and controlling people with fear, fake terror, fake narratives, and that's what they do. And they're good at it. And then we salute them as, oh, look, they're protecting our borders, and they're not protecting our borders. They're working for an illegal agency. But, but my challenge for anyone, because I've actually looked at this, and I have a fairly extensive library. Of, I don't have time for a lot of reading. So usually if I'm reading something that's separate, that's not business related, I'm going directly to source material. And so, I mean, things like... And by the way, one of the ministries of Reconstructionist Radio, we have an entire Christian liberty law online audio library for yes. free. For free. So all your drive time that you're not uh, right. playing games Take with advantage your kids, of that, uh, uh, you can get a college education <laughs> on Reconstructionist Radio. Right. Uh, part of our, that's one, that was our first ministry. Well, and, and, and that's really good to get back to the basics. And, and, and I think it's important, you know, the Founding Fathers aren't God either, right? We quote the Founding Fathers, but we're trying to set an example for what America was really intended, the United States, rather, was really intended to be that we've gotten so far from. But God override, God's law overrides. Well, uh, I, think, I, I, think at least, I think at least as far as Connecticut and Massachusetts was concerned, it was meant to be a shining city on a hill. Yeah, and we're certainly we're certainly not that. Many. And and one of the reasons, you know, of course, now you live up here in the American Redoubt, uh, <laughs> for whatever that's worth anymore. Yeah, well, <laughs> for whatever that's worth, uh, you know, in the in the interest of full disclosure, I believe that uh, the principle that we are ha that we have in Scripture for how do you deal with when you find yourself surrounded by injustice and immorality and tyranny has come out from among them and be ye separate. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. God did not try to make a nation of Israel within the nation of Egypt. He took them out of Egypt. 
Right. And uh, at one point, uh, it, where God takes the northern tribes out of Israel right. and, and makes a compact with Jeroboam, said, listen, if you'll, or Rehoboam said, if you'll follow me, I'll, 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 I'll make you the head. The point is, is that when, I, when you left your parents, right. you seceded from your parents' household. You didn't overthrow your parents. No. You, you created a new household, a new, you opted out a, a new government, government, a yeah. new family government. Right. And so, at least for myself, I believe that our founding fathers gave us the prescription. It's called peaceful separation. Uh, right. it, war was Great Britain's idea to right. a certain extent. Uh, they had the troops here. Uh, they came and were violating us. Yeah, they, they were for self-defense. So, I mean, I, I, I believe, but I'm not a pietist. I don't believe that the idea of separating from the world, so to speak, is so that we can be pure and unstained. It's so that we can regroup, rebuild, get our act together, build a just and righteous society, and then show the rest of the world how it's done. <laughs> well, and the fact is, and I think people need to be realize this, there's a lot of this nationalism that goes on of, I, oh, I would never I would never leave America. I have to support and salute the flag and blah, 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 right? right? It's like the fact is, America's gone. What the flag represents is gone. Well, I, I, I wrote, I'm a songwriter, Gab. You're a photographer, I'm a songwriter. I wrote a song called America, Your Government is Killing Your Country. Yeah, and that, and it's happened. I mean, our, gov- <laughs> our, our country is, is laid waste in terms of, uh, of pretty much everything that's good. So if you go back, and I want to challenge people to quit falling for these faction-based narratives. The faction has to go. You know, if there's any faction, it's Jesus' faction. And I don't even know if he would call it a faction, but there's, there is one lawgiver. There's no, it's the, this Democrat, Republican, left, right, libertarian. Liberty, well, the watch wasn't the, motto, the, wasn't the motto of the revolution, no king but Jesus? Yeah, and that's, how, that's where it should be. And so get into, you know, yes, teach your kid, put families the principles of the Constitution, but don't get too hung up on that. But I also want people to start challenging themselves. You know, people assume, for example, that the government has authority over immigration. Well, if there's any authority over immigration, it's at a state level. It should still be limited. The state doesn't have the right. And this is an important thing to remember. People talk about states' rights a lot, but I see people forgetting a lot. States' rights, states' rights. Your state still doesn't have the right to violate other people's rights. That's not um, – as a member of your state, you don't have the right to make a law that bans guns, that hey, bans speech. Have you ever considered or uh, have you ever considered running for local politics? I've actually ran – well, I mean I ran casually for mayor as a write-in just to shake up the community. But it wasn't really a serious run. And frankly – I haven't felt called up lately. I feel like I'm getting way more done by speaking. The politics game is really, if you're elected to an office, what you should be as an activist at this point. There's no way, even if I was elected to Congress tomorrow, I could not fix it. But what I could do... Where does a guy like you fellowship? We have a home church. And we'll go visit churches every now and then and try and fellowship with people. But the fact is, the church is, is so faked out with their, you know, their, their free punch card to heaven. And you know, when push comes to shove, they don't want to deal with the meat. They don't want to deal with standing mm, up. They believe that they're waiting for the rapture bus and they're, they just want to make themselves as yeah. comfortable as possible until it gets here. And, that's, and, that, yeah. and, the, and what I would point out is people look at me and they say, well, Gavin's an activist. And I don't know if I agree with him or whatever. Agree with me, don't agree with me. Just get your butt out there and do something. Well, you're a doer. Get your butt out there and, and, yeah. and point a camera at a police officer and tell him, you know what? I'm not okay with you robbing that man. And start standing up for your neighbor. Because unless you're willing, if you're not willing to oppose 
the enforcers and the criminals in your country on the most basic level, which are your, your police and your blue line. Not that there's not other criminals, but the fact is, while all these distractions are thrown at you like a snowball fight, you got to keep your eye on the ball. If you keep your eye on the ball and your the ball is liberty and justice for all, who's blocking the path of that is 100% of the time the enforcers. Is there any end in sight? Give us an update. Is there any end in sight for Ammon, his brother, and uh, Mr. Bundy? The only, to me, the hope is, is in God delivering them, and I feel like the, the courts in Navarro, and if you look at the videos that me and others did yesterday in particular, the level of tyranny in that courtroom is such that they, I think they're destroying their, their own argument. And she's a federal judge? Yeah. And, and, she's, and why, is a, why are free men ever in front of a federal judge? Yeah, the whole thing, the federal court thing, and the federal courts are the worst. The state courts are bad too, of course, but the federal courts, they, they do whatever they want, and the punishments are usually severe terms in prison for the smallest of infractions, and usually they're related to things like speech, guns, etc., and drugs, of course. And so that's what most people are being put There's in prison. There's no, they don't, they don't have any champion on Capitol Hill. There's no, I mean, uh, Orrin Hatch is probably worthless. Orrin's probably... It's, it's a blackout. All these people that, that we keep pretending are with us or that are for America or for the Constitution, you know, from, from Donald Trump to, to Trey Gowdy to Justin Amash, to all, has, has all Harry, of them are silent. Has Harry Reid been, been implicated in, uh, in, in terms of um, money or land transfers? Or? Well, he's implicated in, in many ways, but not in the courtroom. And I, 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 I cannot emphasize this enough. People do not understand. The judge is, is telling them the defendants cannot argue the First Amendment. They can't argue the Second Amendment. And no one is there to hold her in contempt. If, if anybody tries to do anything, they will be immediately ejected and or arrested by the blue line enforcers that are there. And so this is the thing. I mean, this nobody would tolerate this judge if it weren't for the enforcers. The, you, I, 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 I and, really and citizens wanna, have not shown up in mass? There's there's people down there. You know, there was probably all often. Whatever happened to the oath keepers? They just vanished. They just kind of disappeared because they weren't really keeping their oath. But there's people. You know, sometimes me, Kelly, John Lamb. You know, there's families of the people. There's Bundys down there, and so sometimes the courtroom is full. But the fact is, they're essentially monitoring and reporting because it's not like there's ten thousand people showing up. And the fact is, I mean, I, I, again, I can't emphasize this enough. The judge is, not, is telling them you cannot argue your case. The jury is out of the room for most of the arguments. The judge is saying the jury has to leave the room for defense witnesses. Okay, I mean, I, I, I cannot. People are people are like when I tell people this, their mouths hang open and they're like, "What do you mean?" I I don't think they really believe what's happening. The judge is telling them, you can't mention the fact that the BLM abused you. You can't mention the fact that they were threatening you. You can't mention the fact that there were snipers from the government. Nothing that's relevant to the case is being allowed in the courtroom in the Bundy trials. And so this is an extreme example because it's public, but I think it's important to know that this is how trials go. I mean, Jeff Winehouse... And, how does it, and, and this, is, this, is, this is worse than any... This is worse than anything you ever saw in any movie, Robin Hood or otherwise. Oh, this, yes. is, this is a person, a psychotic, who was appointed by a previous, I don't know whether it was Democrat or Republican, doesn't matter, right. because she is, she is truly evil. Well, and, 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 and she's and a let's, let's be very clear, though. She's working for her handlers in the current federal government. And so, because this, the, Navarro is not, I mean, she's a young woman who, I don't know how she got into a federal courtroom. But it wasn't because of her intelligence with law. I mean, she's very incompetent. And so the fact is, she's in this courtroom just doing whatever she wants. But yesterday was a complete shame. I mean, the shenanigans were so much that I think the jury was in shock. 
at one point, the jury, Eric Parker was testifying in his defense, and the judge finally said, I'm not allowing you to testify in your defense anymore. She, rem- she kicked him off the stand in, in his own testimony in his defense in his case. One of the jurors sent the judge a note, okay? And we don't know what this note says, but the judge threw the note down on the counter and stormed out of the room and courts recessed for the week. I mean, this could be the case where we actually see the judge trying to incarcerate the jury for not going along, which goes, I don't think we've seen that happen since the 1600s. Um, this, this, the, the judge here, and right now, it's, it's, now, I think it's really now, important to emphasize, this isn't just Navarro with a vendetta. She's leaving to go talk to her handlers and say, we're losing, what do we do? And let's be very clear, her handlers are the prosecution office. Her, who is directly responsible for this is Trump's administration. He could stop it right now. And so everybody likes to say, look, Obama's prosecuting these people. Look what he did. And I'm like, no. Is jury, is, is jury, is nullifi- is jury nullification even an option at this it's point? It's been made very clear that it will not even be allowed to be referenced. I mean, you, anything you can think of that has to do with law is banned from this courtroom. And I, I'm not kidding when I say they're not even allowed to make a constitutional argument for the First Amendment and that it was a protest. Everything that's relevant to the case that you would say, Oh, you need to argue this is is banned. And if you try and take, some people will take the tone of, well, you got to stop submitting to the court. You got to say you don't, you're not a, you're not a property of the state and blah blah. Well, blah. If you do anything in this courtroom, you will well, be ejected well, by Ga- the enforcers. Well, Gavin, when you're when you're when you're faced with this kind of insanity and they're just boxing you in with it and everywhere, I mean, liberty lovers, I mean, blood starts coming out of their eyeballs and and they start. And they start thinking the unspeakable. She's just a pawn. Yeah. But who allows this to perpetrate? She's a pawn for the federal administration. She's a pawn for the the the, the attorney general, right? She's a pawn for this system. Yeah. But I think there's a more important thing because our our nature as human beings is to say, let's let's fix it with violence. Because in our mind, like if you stop the person who's committing the crime, you fixed it. But the problem with America is the hearts of the people. And, I, and I'm going to come back, I'm going to beat this like a broken record, and it will make people mad. The problem is America's not opposing the police. As long as you don't oppose the police, everything else you well, do, well, you well, cannot ignore the well, enforcers well, of tyranny look, and win. If, 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 the, if the American people don't have the stomach, and the church in particular, people who identify as Christians in particular, don't have the right, don't have the stomach to stand up and oppose the murder of 3,500 babies a day, Right. then it's no wonder they don't have the stomach to stand up against these guys that are roided up and armed with military gear and and shaved head. Exactly. And so, but but let's let's give people, uh, let let me give people an action step then. If you want to do something, go pick up a camera and start talking. And people always say like, talking doesn't get us anywhere. That is not true. It's not the people with guns that scares the tyrants of the world. You, you and your AR-15 do not scare the world's tyrants. They're, they have way bigger guns than you, and you are not going to win that way. Now, yeah, do they, do they fear a million people with guns? Sure, that's why they want people to disarm. What they fear is the truth, because the truth is the most powerful sword, and God gave us the ability, all of us, to use that sword for peace. And so the fact is, any one of you listening to this can go out tomorrow. And you can see a police officer with someone stopped. And you can stop and pull over and not even get out of your car. You can roll down your window and film that police officer. Or maybe you'll just holler out the window and say, hey, 
Johnny, stop harassing people, right? And, and, and so in people's mind, they're like, Gavin just wants us to harass cops. You're not understanding the power of your voice. If everyone did that tomorrow, let me take that back. If 10% of the people did what I just described tomorrow, it would change the world by Monday. Well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, bold no, I absolutely assertion. Because it would completely, and here's, here's the reason why, and, and I, you know, in, in my day job, I'm a marketer. And so I study marketing and messaging a lot. And I use that in my own communication for activism as well as for business. Uh, but the, there's a core of marketing. And I want people to question this to look around at billboards or the last thing you bought at the store or the last car you bought. The way things are sold is that you give social proof, essentially. It, it, the essence of it, if you boil down, down the essence of marketing, it's that you show people that it's being done by others and that it's okay to do so. Now, this also works in reverse. If you show that something's not okay. So how have they made homosexuality okay in society? They've pummeled us with it. They've been relentless until people relented and said, fine, it's okay. It's okay, right? Now, we know that sin is not okay. But society, they've used that marketing tactic. It works the same in reverse. Satan is phenomenal with that tactic. But if 10% of the people went out this weekend, filmed a cop, and told him what he did was not okay, and then put that video on the internet, everybody in America would be reached with that message. You instantly would have showed people it's not okay to be an extortioner for a living. Now, the reason the police officer, because let's be clear, when I say bad cops, I don't mean all cops are murderers in their heart. Most of them are just brainwashed kids, just like just like the Nazi soldier, right? So the reason they think what they're doing is okay and that they're heroes is because society is telling them that they are. Well, and, I, and the patriot movement and the conservative right and the Christian movement is some of the worst at telling them. What's most egregious of all, Gavin, is the very fact that, that civil asset forfeiture is considered even thinkable. Trump's administration, Sessions, they've both been very clear that they are for civil asset forfeiture and they are going to increase it. You cannot pretend that these people are going to defend oh, your rights. If we support the wicked, we're always going to be slaves. If right. you support your, your, your oppressor, well, I don't even... people always say, well, Gavin, what about the good cops? No one listening to this show can find me a cop who honors their oath. Clear, I mean, the blue line is all of this. The blue line doesn't just encompass the police officers. It's no. anybody within that well, sphere that's part of it. Nobody, nobody that listens to you or that listens to this podcast is surprised to hear us talking about any of these things because these are the things that we talk about all the time. The reason I wanted to meet up with you is because you actually do something about it. And, and I think that's what we all need to be doing, is doing something. And people, I know people are scared, but courage is not not being afraid. Courage is being afraid and doing it anyhow. As, as, an over, as an over-the-road trucker, you get to see this a lot. I see, every time I see a car pull over and the contents of the vehicle being deposited on the ground, Yeah, I know what's going on. Right. And here's the, now here's the question I ask you, this is tactical, because we're all about tactical topics, is that if I'm using my phone that I use every day, I've got all my numbers and all my everything in there, if I'm using that for my video, it's almost like I need to have another phone or another camera that I can afford to relinquish if I'm forced to at the point of a gun, because if, I, if they say, give us that phone, right. I lose all my banking information, all my email information, all my contact information. I'm, I'm sort of out of business. The, question, the other question I always wanted to have, the idea is, is there an app that you use that the second it records, it's immediately uploaded into the cloud where they cannot delete it off of your SIM card or, your, or, or anything like that? In other words, when it goes, when it goes 
into the right. Uh, well, a couple of tactical points, and let's address that uh, because I've, these are things I've dealt with a lot. Because the last thing you want is to not have a camera. So, if you know you're going to this situation, if you're going out in your community to do activism, by all means, have two cameras rolling. I mean, that's you know, have a dash cam, and you probably have a dash cam in the truck. I mean, it's a good idea to have a dash cam and have your camera. I wouldn't rely on the dash cam alone because they tend to be quirky. Just like I wouldn't rely on any security camera because. A camera that you think is rolling 24 hours a day, you know, there's been numerous times when I went to pull footage from it and something glitched out and it wasn't there. Whereas I've never had a, a quality smartphone like my iPhone that has set its recording and the recording was, was non-existent. I almost need to buy another phone just for points like that so that if they say, give me that camera... They don't get the one I need. Well, and you could do this, and this is something that, you know, the, the day I got arrested, there was multiple cameras going, and I had a backup camera in my jacket pocket, and then there was the main camera, and so we ended up with lots of footage, which we ultimately ended up getting those back. But what I would tell people, number one, is first password protect your phone, because they cannot delete it if you password protect your phone. So if you password protect the phone, that's that's a given. Make sure, don't don't take the cheapest phone. Uh, your, your camera is far more of a usable investment than your AR-15 right now. It is the most powerful public weapon that you have, and it happens to be a peaceful one, which is a, which a, which is a positive advantage. Plus, you can even play a game on it if you want. So get a quality so, device. So that leads me to the question, with so much photography going on, so much recording, so much footage of these instances where they be uh, First Amendment audits or whatever they're doing, why is the tyranny seeming to increase exponentially? Or is there... Or we just know more about it now? Well, we're seeing more of it, but also you can't actually... You're seeing a surge of it because people are speaking out against it, and I think it's been there for a long time, but they're trying to put fear into the people who are standing up. And so as long as you have 80% of the people back here backing the enemy, right? And this is something you didn't see in the American Revolution. When, when the Redcoats would roll into town, the whole town would be throwing mud at them, not just one guy. And so there might have been a few loyalists in town, but even the loyalists weren't pretending that the Redcoats were the heroes, right? Even the loyalists, for the most part, had problems with what the Redcoats were doing. They just didn't want a revolution, or they were scared, or whatever. Now, there were some that were true loyalists that actually truly believed in what the Redcoats were doing. But a lot of this goes back to you have to build a surge of people doing it. That's why it's so important that a lot of people are doing the things we're talking about. So if a lot of people are filming, remember, a decade ago, you would be frequently arrested simply for filming. And actually, that has gone substantially down. Most of the time, you won't be arrested for filming. Filming in the courtroom is a different matter because that's an area that hasn't been breached that much. So there, in some ways, there's progress. And in other ways, we're just seeing the tyranny, which is growing like a tidal wave, uh, exposed more because there's more cameras. But that's not a bad thing because you have to force your peers, including your asleep neighbors and in-laws and all that, if, if you make it normal that they see this, eventually they're going to start going, wow, this is not an isolated incident. Now, you mentioned the cloud. There's two ways to do that. One is, for example, on the iPhone, there's probably something similar on Android. You can have it upload your photos and stuff to the cloud. I believe it will do it with video. Whether And there's probably a way to make it do on cellular data. That's not going to be 100% reliable because... If you do stuff on Facebook Live, if you did it on Facebook Live, well, that me, that's immediately going into... The, that's immediately going on there. And, and actually, up till about a year ago, I didn't do it much because live streaming has always been a little glitchy. It's gotten fairly reliable now. So it's gotten to where I've had incidents where I live streamed it to Facebook in real time, and now it's on there. And uh, providing your phone's password protected and they can't delete it if they take your phone from you, you know, because after a few seconds your phone goes off and now they can't get into it, it's likely to be posted. The only downside of that 
is theoretically if something glitches, it's lost or Facebook can take it down. Now, when you Facebook live stream, at the end of that video, you have the opportunity to download it to my phone, to your phone, which I pretty much always do because now you have a local copy in, in case Facebook status removes it, okay? Um, if you get arrested, that may not be a possibility. So what I would say is if, in general, if it's something really important, have a second camera, a second. And we've got many friends. We got we've got many friends who are abolitionists who never go out to the high schools or to the five hundred one c three religion dispensaries <laughs> or to the death mills right. without a GoPro camera because any because they they they're, they're operating on the field of dreams principle. If you preach it, they will come. In other words, right. if you out there. Telling the truth, eventually, it's just a matter of time before you have show Barney Fife is going to roll up. Well, and, and the I would add this: I would always a GoPro would always be a backup to me, not a primary camera, because it's very easy to to for that video to disappear. All that has to happen is, oh, there was no card in it when we got it, and so a GoPro is your least secure option of anything, even more so than probably live streaming, providing you got a decent signal. At least with live streaming, it's up on on your site that presumably the government doesn't usually have access to. A GoPro is fine, and a lot of it depends on the intensity of the situation. For example, if you're going protesting, you might have a GoPro because you could just keep it rolling. But if the police roll up, now you're also turning on a camera or a live stream, let's say. Now you have multiple, so you have a backup. I wouldn't go and walk into a police station to do activism or at a, at a Planned Parenthood, whatever, right? I wouldn't just have the GoPro because it's too easy for something that you are assuming is recording to either go wrong or to be easily deleted. Whereas a phone that's sealed and not recording to a memory card, which in a way, like, you know, iPhone users complain about this, and it's the same with most Android phones, the memory that comes with it is what you get. Many of them don't have a memory card anymore. Um, while that can be annoying, there is a technology advantage there from a security standpoint, because really nothing in here is accessible short of destroying it physically, which d police don't usually do that because it tends to, to, to lead to questions, right? Uh, or breaking into it, which is very hard to do if you've actually got a password. So the fact is, if this phone, they take, they knock the phone out of my hand, and five minutes later they pick it up and they go to delete the video, they're not going to be able to delete the video. Their option now is to actually destroy the evidence, which they may do, but oftentimes they probably won't. You'd be surprised how many times I've gone to the government with a Well, the biggest, the biggest hurdle would be just to get most people to turn the camera on in the first place. That's the, that's the biggest problem I have is people send me messages all the time and they're like, this happened, that happened. Do you have a video? No. Because as soon as you have a video, and you'll see this, I mean, even the video I did last week of, of the officer here in town that was harassing somebody, it was a fairly casual encounter, but I basically showed up. And this is an example of what you could do in your community. Well, I this is a small officer. town, too. Right, and so they know me. And I pulled up and I said, who are you harassing? I didn't pretend he was the good guy. I treated him like a criminal, but I wasn't aggressive or violent. I just pulled up and I said, who are you harassing? Quit giving people trouble. And, and ultimately, he ran away as I tried to question him. And so if people did, if that was the norm, your police would stop harassing people because these little bullies would not want to deal with, with, with being shamed by their community. You we believe that it's an unwarranted, unbiblical, uh, unconstitutional uh, standing army. You will not get liberty back by supporting the perpetrators of tyranny. I don't know if you've been actually in an en encounter like this where people are standing around filming a teenager being strangled by a couple of cops. Right. Now, at that point, do you interpose? The closest I've, I've had to this is the video that I posted earlier this year of a cop who was roughing up a guy that had a mental disability from the hospital. And and so that was in a situation where I'm, I'm like, this could turn into one of those cases, and what am I going to do? The fact is, 
I think, number one, yes, the crowd has a right to interpose if somebody's being violently abused. But you might also get shot for that. So the, <clears throat> the more people you have, the better. I would say, though, and I think you can, you can validate this by looking at various situations. You can look at the video that I did this year. You can look at ones where the people have rallied against the officer. As long as you don't think of the officer as God. For example, this officer, I walked up, and you can see in this video, and I said, what are you doing? Why did you just throw him on the ground? And I used that tone of voice. I said, you're a criminal, and I see it, and I'm not okay with it. Now, that alone, immediately his behavior changed toward the man, right? So let's say you got a couple officers and they're kicking a guy in the head. If 10 people run up with cameras and they say, whoa, you knock it off right now, chances are they're not going to have to use force because a bully is terrified, absolutely terrified of people standing up. And only bullies behave that way. Well, you've seen some of the more egregious instances of gang violence toward one individual, whether it be, you know, using, you know, uh, combat you know, uh, uh, Muay Thai or, or uh, uh, Krav Maga tactics sure. against unarmed right. people, and it, it, there's a there's a spirit that wells up in you, and you want to engage. You want to be the good guy, and right. to grab this guy in the uniform, put him in a chokehold, and pull him off. Well, and, and I absolutely think, we don't need another Freddie Gray, right, even though it's happening all the time. So I absolutely think if you're on the street and somebody's murdering someone, you do have an obligation to intervene. I think the first thing you should do as you're walking over is turn the camera on, not so you can get 15 minutes of fame, as your dissenters will say, but so because that alone is a powerful weapon. Then what I would say to do is you verbally and very forcefully verbally try to intervene. Now, at this point, maybe, you know, call other people over. I guarantee you, if a cop is abusing someone and you're standing there with a camera and you're saying, hey, we got a cop that's murdering someone over here, that cop is going to start freaking out. And he might likely stop by that alone because he's now, you know, you notice how they always say, well, I can't focus on my stop because I'm distracted by you. Well, then get 100 people over there to distract that stop, that cop, yeah. so that he's not focused on abusing somebody. But at some point... I think it would be perfectly appropriate, and I've seen. I think we've seen indications, uh, uh, videos before, where this essentially happened. If you get ten guys around and there's a cop abusing somebody, you don't have to treat the cop the way they treat you. Have ten guys walk up and grab the cop and pull him off the guy, right? And say, "Hey, you take a breather. You're done." Here's the thing: everybody on Facebook and, and, and with their guns likes to talk about bloodshed and violence. If people stand up. You rarely need violence. Violence is, and I'm not saying that there's not a place for self-defense. I'm saying that if people stand up and their heart is for peace and for loving their neighbor, they don't actually want to hurt, right? The fact you don't of the matter want is, vengeance. The fact you want matter, justice. The fact of the matter is, is most people are too afraid of having their lives disrupted right. to involve themselves. And so what they do, this idea, that I see this all the time from people on Facebook, and they're like, when you're ready for a real revolution, call me and I'll be there, but I'm not interested in talk. They're liars. If you're out, that, that's a lie. They, what it is, is they're scared to actually stand up now, so they're pretending that when it's actually at their doorstep, they're going to do something, and they're not. You made a lot of references to the revolution and the redcoats and the patriots, but we are not those people, that's for sure. No, we don't have the courage or the principle, and not that they were perfect. There was a lot of mistakes made then, too, but the fact is, and this is the thing, if we, if we went to bloody revolution right now, it would not be an American revolution, it would be a French revolution. America is prideful, they're hateful, uncompassionate, unforgiving, vengeful, sinful, and godless. And I'm specifically talking about the patriot movement. 
Okay, like even set aside the left or the right paradigm for now. The, the, the things I just described describe the patriot movement. I, I, you know, you see these pro-Trump, pro-America, pro-whatever constitution groups, and the things coming out of their mouth are so unconstitutional, anti-American, and anti-Christ that it boggles my mind as they say, you know, I mean, they're sitting there like, immigrants should just be shot at the border if they try and come into our country or, you know, do the crime, do the time. He should be locked away. There's no concept of law or compassion for the most part in this country. And that's why when you have a society like that, these are the kind of people that will kill you over a scrap of bread. These are not compassionate, just, honorable people. Yeah. These are people that are consumed by pride. Well, people consumed by pride will not restore liberty. Well, here at the War Room, we, we have a saying, cop worship is idolatry. Absolutely. So, uh, Gavin Syme, uh, they, your folks can follow you. Um, probably the easy, if you search me, you can find me, but uh, callmegav.com is my website, and you can get all my Facebook pages and YouTube channel, things like that from there. So Don't be just entertained. Uh, don't just stand in awe of Gavin's brass. Uh, go and do likewise. That would be. Or find a better way, right? If people don't like the way I do it and they think I'm too abrasive, you know what? Just do something besides writing letters, voting for tyrants, and and making angry posts on Facebook that say you've, you've had enough. Speak out against evil every time, and it's always been this way. If I go out, people always call me and say I'm rude or I'm mean or I'm nasty or I'm a terrible person for my activism. And there's lots of people that hate me for this. When I go, I out think you're measured. I think you're very measured and cool-headed. It's actually. weird because the calmer I am, actually, the angrier they get because they want me. If I was angry and slinging vulgarities, it would be okay because I could be. Well, you know, they say that Proverbs says a soft voice breaks the bones. Yeah, it, it really does make the bullies mad. But what I, after, and I think this is a good thing to do, is, is when you go out and do activism and then reflect on it and talk to God. And, and there's times when I've done activism where my activism was right, but my heart was prideful. And so fix it next time. Improve from it. It doesn't mean anybody else knows. But if we're looking at our appeal to heaven and looking to make that our stand, our stand will get will get stronger. Well, I think, and I think you know, we say a lot too. Uh, the, the greatest hope, if there's any bright uh, light on the horizon, it really is our the families that are. It is several generations of homeschooled families. Right. That's about all that's left at this point. Because hopefully, your children will see their daddy the way he lit, walked the talk. Right. And. There'll be two, and then there'll be four, and ultimately we'll have after. We've had several generations of that. We well, get, and let's we remember, get, they've changed this in a few generations with satanic education. It does work in reverse. The marketing or the, the spiritual mindset, whatever, the way people are affected by you doing good is the same as, as the way, yes, our tendency is to evil. But people promoting evil tends to make evil grow. But people promoting good makes good grow. And the problem is the people that want to do good are hiding from it, whereas the people that want to do evil are embracing yeah. it and they're very loud. Well, for all of our War Room listeners, you know, uh, whether or not you agree with everything Gavin would would write down in his doctrinal dissertation or everything you said, even on this podcast, the reason I think it was important for us to make the trip up here to meet uh, Gav is because he is a doer of the word and not merely a hearer who deludes himself and uh, we we believe that uh, God's throne is established uh, on righteousness and justice and uh, Gavin you have you've demonstrated for us what it means to engage evil and stand against it and for that we thank you yeah, and we're in your debt and thank you for joining us on the war room 
Thank you for joining us in the war room. Please enjoy the nation's rage, Psalm 2, by my soul among lions. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people's die? 